This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey guys, this is Liv. And Dave. And And you're you're listening listening to Conversations. Conversations. Wait, what did you say? Conversations. It's Conversations. That's what I said. Conversation. Wait, why are you saying it like that? I'm not saying it like anything. I'm saying conversation. What are you saying? Conversations. We're saying the same thing. Say conver. Conver. Now say stations. Stations. Now say conversations. Conversations. Okay, let's try this one more time. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is Liv. And Dave. And we're Pizza and Parsecs. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to conversations. conversations. I think you're saying it wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm saying the same thing you're saying. I am 99% sure you're wrong. I'm 99% sure we're saying the same thing. And you guys are listening to Conversations. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is Banter Fodder. A long time ago, in a van on the way to Orlando, a couple of nerds had a series of conversations. (laughs) And here we are, (laughs) two nerds again, having more conversations. Uh, But this time we have two other nerds. With more nerds. Yes, with more more nerds. nerds. (laughs) First of all, I'd like to introduce Tom from the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Also, Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as well. And Happy to be your nerd multiplier. There, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Nerd, did you say multiplier? Nerd multiplier. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's like you merged the two together. Right. That's He's brilliant. Creative, like yes, yeah. It's uh, nerds will do that from time to time. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we do that all the time. <laughs> and um, today's topic is going to be the rise of the experience. And how, uh, you know, maybe the movies have moved from, you know, way back in 77 with uh, A New World Star Wars or A New Hope, which was just a movie and it spawned this entire universe to where it is today and how, uh, and how immersive that experience can be, but also maybe uh, how exclusive that can be and sometimes maybe a distraction or a detraction from the entire universe. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, we would love to get to know you guys a little bit more. Um, Tom, we're going to start with you and our getting to know you question, or one of them at least, the OTQs as we call them, uh, one, one of the fascinating ones has been some fantastic responses we got was from the question, if you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? What would you talk about? And this can include creators, artists, actors, characters, anything from the Star Wars universe. It's a really interesting question. And I, I went, you know, uh, when you suggested that this was going to be one of the topics, I went in several different directions. At the time, I thought about Carrie Fisher because I think that she would have some fantastic stories, and she's just very real and uh, extremely interesting. Uh, I I uh, thought about Dave Filoni right now because I think he's telling some of the best Star Wars stories out there uh, currently going on between the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars, uh, you know, wrapping up here. Uh, but I think I settled more and just, you know, for fun, uh, actually going into a Star Wars character. And that'd be, if I was just going to sit down and have lunch with a Star Wars character, it would be Chewbacca, assuming that I either had a universal translator or I understood Shrewook. Uh, but I think that, you know, I mean, he's 230 some odd years old. He's got to have 
great stories from his entire lifetime. He seems like he's got a wonderful sense of humor, kind of dry wit, which I could, I know I, I enjoy. And, you know, I mean, look, the, you know, the, the guy is going to, he enjoys his food. So I think it's going to be a really entertaining, interesting lunch if you just sit down with Chewbacca for an hour, hour and a half or whatever. And he probably can hold his ale as well. So <laughs> uh, I think it'd be a good time. That's fantastic. And what a great connection too, because uh, I think I remember hearing that you uh, were in a Run Disney in a Chewbacca uh, cosplay, or at least a bounding. <laughs> yeah, a little little bounding. It was a, a half marathon in Florida heat and humidity, so I can only, I wasn't going to go full Wookiee outfit, but uh, <laughs> a little Disney bounding. And uh, yeah, uh, Chewbacca is always one of my uh, lifelong favorite Star Wars characters, for sure, as he is for most people. I mean, you know, the, the lovable you know, giant who could rip your arms off in any second, but you know, he, he's just one of the best and, you know, God bless uh, Peter Mayhew who, who, who created that part and gave him such, such a background, such a life. And, and you know, and uh, Yona Sunitama who's doing it now, who's taken over that role and just done such a fantastic mm -hmm. job with him as well. That's a great point. That's a very good point. Cause he has that same spirit too. Fantastic point. Yeah. <laughs> he's so gracious and just, yeah. just, just, just awesome. Yeah. And Rob, uh, we have a special question for you. Uh, how many times did you see Rise of Skywalker in theaters? No, just kidding. Um, we'd like to ask you the oh. same question. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat's not participating anymore. <laughs> I, I shut this off, but I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it on. For now, now it's going to be on forever. <laughs> He's got a generator, everybody. Uh, but uh, Rob, same question to you. I'm going to uh, direct everyone back to the episode where I joined you guys talk about the Jedi Temple, if you want to hear my original answer. Uh, but right now, I, I would definitely say uh, Dave Filoni, um, just because I, I think that with what's going on right now uh, with the Clone Wars, it's just incredible, the story that they're telling with this whole Siege of Mandalore arc. Uh, and he's created so many amazing characters uh, within the Clone Wars and, and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and I know that he did uh, some of the Resistance stuff as well, although I have not seen all of that. Um, you know, he just he just seems to have a total feel for what Star Wars is at its heart and how to create these unique new characters that people just grow to love. Uh, and it's just fascinating to me. So I'd love to get more insight into that process. It's a great answer. Yeah, it is a very good answer. And to, get, to be able to get into his head would be... Uh, would be fascinating and also too with the amount of uh not insider knowledge but where where the entire franchise is going would be uh, a boon for any star wars fan of course with an nda but you'd be okay with that we'd pry it out of him don't worry about it no you really wouldn't <laughs> charles charles knows tom's no tom knows yes <laughs> you're a trap you're you're a vault <laughs> oh so so our discussion, uh, as we talked about, we prefaced it at the start with uh, the rise of the experience. And uh, we can start at where the movie started. We started with uh, a Star Wars or A New Hope. And we've come now to the end of the Skywalker saga. And um, it would be interesting to see. I'm going to pass it around to each of you. What do you think is the biggest difference between where the movie started and where they are today? And we'll start with uh, Pat. See what uh, see what you think about that. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> like usual. Where they where they started to where they are today? Yeah, the difference between uh, you know the, the standalone okay. movie, like the the way that you know movies came out in '77, and where they are today, and how immersive they are. Uh, well, 
first of all, the whole climate was completely different. Um, when Star Wars came out, it was something no one ever seen before. And no one was trespassing. No one was using drones to fly over wherever they were filming. And no one was, was trying to um, kind of get any of these breaking news or spoilers or anything like that ahead of time. Because no one knew about it, first of all. Uh, and then, you know, obviously with technology and the ability to do those things, um, ravenous fans are, are doing that now, um, in terms of the culture of the filming and the, you know, the, the, the patrons, the, the fans, you know, they were excited for the sequel when the sequel was announced, but most of them waited for the sequel, mm. you know, um, and, uh, now it's, um, it's way beyond the films. It's in so many different kinds of media, from video games to comics to novels to TV shows and all these other things that are great uh, supplemental stories to the Skywalker saga and the main stories. Um, and a lot of things that I, I know I was talking to Charles earlier today and for the last eight or nine years about how... <laughs> The Clone Wars just enriches the C the prequel trilogy because when they first came out, you were not a huge fan of them. Mm -hmm. You're kind of outside of the, you know, age range that it was catering to, mm -hmm. and um, and and then outside the the Clone Wars as well. Yeah. So you know, talking to you about how much it enriches the stories of you seen on the screen uh, on the big screen. Uh, with these, these you know, serialized stories week to week, it just brings new details and new meaning and a greater appreciation for the prequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. So you know, these these new things are are fantastic. They're um, you know a wonderful sort of supplementary material mm -hmm. to to the films. And there are some people that just watch the films, and that's fine. Mm. But for the people that get into this other media and, you know, again, novels and things, um, it really enriches the whole experience, deepens the lure. And um, and the, the, the world is so much bigger. You know, the, the Star Wars universe is so much larger than it was in the 70s and 80s. So I think, I think everything from the world building in the stories – and the writing process to the fandom has all been just growing exponentially. Mm. And now, you know, when when the um, new trilogy was announced, everybody went bananas. You know, it's just everybody was so excited for more Star Wars. Everybody was. Mm. Like, my brother was. And... <laughs> <laughs> and Charles and I have talked at length about my brother and, and his... Um, uh, is making fun of my love of Star Wars throughout my young life. Disdain, and, disdain for Star Wars, yeah. Right, right. And um and now he's excited to take his kid to see you know the 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 sequel trilogy and he's texting me every week about the Mandalorian and all this. So it's <laughs> like we've converted people that we've spent decades trying to convert, you know. Um Tom, what about you? How do you see the the change from uh from way back then to today it's it 
it's so many leaps and bounds over where it was when I first saw the film in 77, you know, original Star Wars, now uh, A New Hope. And it was like something you never seen before. I mean, science fiction was just not that at that point. You know, you had some Star Trek on television from back in the day, you know, 2001. But it was just such a giant leap. And it stands up for the most part uh, still to this day. That's how much ahead of uh, their time they were with this film that most people didn't want to, you know, even take on to their studios or whatever the case may be. And so and, and then you would go through and it would be, you know, three years until the next film would come out. There was very little that would happen in between there. You were just, you know, anticipating when is this next Next movie going to come out. Um, there were a couple of books. Splinter of the Mind's Eye, you know, came out after uh, A New Hope, uh, which is one of the first uh, outside of the canon novels that uh, you know kind of took it out there. But there was very little of that now. I mean, whereas now you you go out and there's you know there's television series, there's books, there's uh, comics, there's so many different ways to experience Star Wars now. It, you know, it's in the Disney parks now. It, I mean, it's it's really around you every. Everywhere, and it's just—it's just such a great time to be a Star Wars fan. As long as you can, you know, get away from the negativity, and that's the other part of this Ooh, that is uh, unfortunate from all this is because there's so much social media out there and such, and people can just put their opinions out wherever they want, and whether they really believe them or not. I mean, some of them—I do believe—people are very passionate about certain things, but people will put things out there just to put things out there just to get a rise out of people, and I—I I, I just find that sometimes the community can be a little destructive but there are so many great star wars fans out there at the same time just like you guys uh rob we, i attached with rob very quickly because we kind of have the same star wars point of view in many ways we see things through the same eyes uh listening to your guys show uh pat and charles uh you guys have a very positive attitude towards star wars and that's what draws me in so it's just it, it's really weird i i personally just think it's it's a great time to be a star wars fan because there is so much stuff i mean some of it you like more than others but you have so much to pick and choose from um it really is a, a, a great time right now fantastic and that's good points too about the positivity and the negativity and the sort of the soapbox approach that someone oh i don't like this well now everyone's going to hear about it and you sort of take that uh that uh, soapbox mentality to it and ruins it for a lot of people as well yeah. And it's not even just, you know, I think there's some people, obviously it's okay. And not everybody likes everything, right. you know, you don't need to like everything, but, uh, for the people to, you know, the, and it's, it's what we are as a uh, society nowadays, we are so on one side or the other, and it's so hard to meet mm -hmm. in the middle for so many people. And, um, I, 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 I'm glad that there's play things like Star Wars Celebration where people can just go and enjoy Star Wars and be positive about it and enjoy the community because it is such a wonderful community mm -hmm. when you really find it. And I think we've connected with so many fantastic people uh, through it. Like I said, I connected with Rob through it. I've connected with you guys through it and several other podcasts uh, because of our love of Star Wars. And I, I do think it is an embracing community when you find the right people within it. Fantastic. Very true. And Rob, what do you think? What do you? Uh, what's your perspective from the from the start to where we are now? Pass. <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, you know it's interesting because you look at the era of the original trilogy, and it's been mentioned, you know, to a certain degree in the previous two answers. But it was so much; it was a different era as well. I mean, the movies of that time were more political; they were darker; they were. Uh, heavier it was not about finding things to connect with that really caused joy in people. And that 
more than a lot of things, I think, is why the movie-going audiences back in the late 70s, early 80s really connected with Star Wars. Um, you also have George Lucas, who was kind of bucking the established system. He was going out being more of an independent filmmaker. Um, you know, if you know anything about the making of the original Star Wars film, there were so many times it could not have happened. It's almost a miracle that that film got made in the first place. And then for Lucas to then double down and risk his own fortune that he accumulated through the original Star Wars film and making of uh, Empire Strikes Back, which was even a more of a huge risk because mm -hmm. that film was the first film of its time, really, uh, to end on that kind of a dark cliffhanger. Uh, where the audiences didn't walk out of the the movie theater feeling like the good guys had won. It was uh, very much not the case. And, and I don't think people going to the films back then expected to not have the issue of the film resolved by the time they walked out. So huge risk. Uh, it paid off for him, thankfully, uh, and then kind of went into Return of the Jedi. And at that point, Star Wars started to become kind of a victim of its own success. He he became the corporation that he had bucked early on in the process. And he had to think about the merchandising and all the things that were going to kind of cement his legacy. Um, you know, and then you take things like industrial light and magic and Skywalker sound and all of these uh, technologies that were developed to make those initial films. And those were used to create a lot of other films. So all of a sudden he kind of helped, other film franchises catch up with his success with the technology that allowed him to be successful. Uh, but when you get to the prequel films, uh, he was still pushing the envelope with technology. I think, uh, it was a little unfortunate that it was a little too soon, I think for the, the green screen technology of the time, which is one of the knocks on the prequels. I don't have an issue so much with the storyline of the prequels. It was really acting and that technology. And Tom and I have talked on Hyperion, uh, in the review of, all the Star Wars films that we did leading up to Rise of Skywalker, that the actors were at a disadvantage then, right? They didn't have experience mm -hmm. acting against these environments that were not there. So you almost can't totally pawn off, you know, the acting on them. We know that Lucas likes to write dialogue that's hard to deliver in the first place. Um, and so that was kind of some of the knocks on that. But as, as was pointed out, people in that generation, the younger kids love Jar Jar, where, you know, adult, uh, older adults who were kids during the original trilogy might have been annoyed by that. Um, and then we kind of get into the sequel trilogy where the issue there was really more of having a cohesive storyline throughout. It was the first time that you didn't have Lucas really driving the overall story. Um, even with the original trilogy, you had different directors directing each film, but you had one person above them mm -hmm. saying, this is the story. Uh, I'm going to allow for some creativity at a lower level, but these are the points that we have to hit on. Um, so, you know, at each, at each of the trilogies, there were different challenges. Sometimes they did better at, uh, overcoming them than others. Uh, but I think we're also seeing that, you know, it's kind of to the point now where with, as we said, the the fans that are out there on the internet talking about everything, tearing apart every little thing, the anonymity of being able to post whatever you want. Uh, you know, there were people that had those opinions back in the original trilogy. There was just no way for them to to kind of garner that uh, community support uh, to to you know kind of drive their hatred that we see sometimes in the fan community now because it's so much easier to find like-minded people. Um, 
But ultimately, I think most fans of Star Wars understand that it's it, the larger storyline, the stories of family, the stories of, uh, you know, dealing with your darker impulses and redemption, all the things that Star Wars really hits on. Um, most people really appreciate those storylines. And, and I'm glad that we're branching out from the Skywalker saga, that we have things like the Mandalorian um, and, you know, some of the things, some of the projects, even like Rogue One, which I love, uh, you know, I've talked about it on Scarif uh, podcast a number of times with Roe on some of the live streams that just knowing how the storyline ends up doesn't mean that you can't tell me that filler material as we talked about with the Clone Wars, right? Uh, that can totally give you a different perspective on films you've already watched. You go back and watch them with new eyes, uh, which is one of the great things about Star Wars. We're for almost 43, uh, 43 years in. We're just, you know, a few weeks short of a 43 year anniversary for star Wars. And, and I could still go back and watch films based on this week's episode of the clone wars and have a different take on things that I see in them. Certainly uh, revenge of the Sith. Wow. A boatload of great points in there. Right. Charles. Oh yes. Um, (laughs) Me. Uh, You're not getting out of this. Yeah, I was gonna say. uh, You guys said it all. Thanks, Pass. Um, From my, (laughs) you know, I see the movies as a singular. You know, when I grew up and we saw them originally, you had these movies and they came out. And as a child, of course, you have access to a certain amount of information. But from my generation, there, like Rob was saying, there was no internet. There was nothing. There was magazines, maybe uh, published articles. Um, But you know, from the perspective from where uh, I came was you have these standalone movies that were released and then you waited. Oh, there's a movie coming out next. You see the posters. Maybe you start seeing them in media or commercials. As a, as a child, I had no idea when the next Star Wars was coming out. You know, you sort of ask around, oh, it's three years from now or whatever it's going to be. So you start experiencing these things. And I never... Uh, you know, I never read the books. I wasn't much of a book reader back when I was young. Um, so once the uh, Return of the Jedi came out, I sort of, you know, led off of Star Wars and worked my way into Star Trek. That was sort of the natural, tra- you know, natural transition for me. I had Dungeons and Dragons. I had sort of the sci-fi uh, background, which Star Wars is 100% the, the reason for it, to have that fiction to have that creativity and, and creating different worlds those really did you know really fed into it um but from 86 until the announcement of the prequels for me it was the dark times and many people have also led into that and talked to that the same way and i see them now as a this massively contextual or intratextual set of stories that you can get from one place to another within the movie. So you have these hubs, the movies as a hub, I guess, and you have all these side stories coming into it. Whether or not you're able to uh, consume all those different sides doesn't necessarily mean that you can't enjoy the movies as a whole. And that's obviously the goal. I mean, for any any franchise, you're going to want to have a movie that people will want to go and see. So if you're looking for a casual fan, oh, you know, will I take my family to go see uh, Rise of Skywalker or Force Awakens or... Uh, the Revenge of the Sith, um, uh, you don't necessarily have all of those different pieces playing at the same time. But as a fan, I'll absorb them. I'll get them in there. Uh, But for the regular fan, how much of that uh, extra content is actually going to be part of not your wheelhouse but like uh, you know you have it in your mind when you're walking into the movies and sometimes that can be a distraction. I'm, I'm not quite sure that um, is it fair enough to look at the movies 
as a singular tentpole that you can enjoy, or do you need to have that extra piece to help you enjoy the rest of the franchise? Yeah, I guess I think uh, you know, what you're saying is like um, with the extra content, the supplementary material, the novels, the cartoons, the comics, the video games uh, kind of add to the richness that is the cinematic experience or is it something that is kind of an inside joke between the people that are involved and mm. invested in those uh, avenues? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, I think that the movies on their own can be taken just at face value and enjoyed. I, I think that uh, for the most part, uh, the the films are good. They stand alone. They they are fine for most people out there. Uh, for you know people who are you know more involved Star Wars fans, you may need a little bit more. I kind of compare it to like if, if you were to see a movie, okay, and go go watch it. And then there's say, this is based on a novel. You go back and you read the novelization. Of course, you're going to get that much more depth out of the novelization that you can't possibly put on the screen in a, you know, two, two and a half hours, whatever the case may be. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't enjoy the film. Uh, you can still enjoy that, but you can get more depth out of it by watching the clone wars. You can get more depth by uh, reading some of the uh, novels, some of the reading, some of the comics. It can, it, it could really can expand your enjoyment of the films, but that doesn't, I mean the films aren't fine standing on their own as well what do you think rob uh, i would agree with that in this uh, within the timeline of the original trilogy absolutely within the timeline of the prequel trilogy uh, i think that the films would be fine standing alone i think that you know the benefit of having something like the clone wars as tom and i have talked about ad nauseum <laughs> on both our podcasts is that uh, you know, it just fleshes out the characters and the storyline so much more. You get so much more depth to the fall of Anakin. You get so much more understanding of some of these ancillary characters. You get characters that get introduced like Hondo and, and Ahsoka that you never see within the films and are never referenced within the films that are just integral characters that you could talk for hours about. So um, I think that, you know, that's the perfect scenario where the films kind of hold their own, but then you do get that bonus material. I feel like in the sequel trilogy it turned into more of a scenario where they they were relying on supporting material from all those other mediums from the books the comics uh and you know even the animated series to an extent with resistance uh to kind of fill in holes for things that weren't occurring in the films and there and again i think that all goes back to not properly plotting out the story um, and making sure that they had all the necessary information to tell the full story within the films. Um, and so I'm hopeful that, that we get more away from that. I'm a big fan of all the ancillary material being additional layers to the story, uh, as opposed to being integral to understand the story. But Rob, you're, you're, you're talking about the sequel trilogy and saying, yes, they have all this ancillary material that they need to fill in the gaps for. Maybe they're relying on that too much. But we just right before that talked about the prequel trilogy and the fact that how much that's missing and how much it's made up for within the Clone Wars itself. It, it fills in a lot of the thin spots as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, the sequel trilogy, uh, you maybe could rely on a little bit more of this as well. But this is not the first time it's happened uh, throughout the Star Wars universe, in my opinion, personally, anyway. Yeah. I, I would just say that um, I felt like there were major plot points that went unexplained within the sequel trilogy, and I don't feel like that necessarily happened within the prequels. I think that understanding additional characters and getting a, a deeper understanding of 
the backstory of certain characters uh, was fleshed out more in the Clone Wars, but I never felt in the prequel trilogies like like there was a big black hole that I didn't understand until I got to the Clone Wars. It was just more, the Clone Wars added to my enjoyment and, and uh, again, just gave me more depth to the characters. So you could watch the prequel films and still understand the storyline. With some of the sequel films, it's like, who are these people? You know, this whole Knights of Ren thing, where did this come from? You still didn't get an understanding of that, really, unless you read the comics um, within the sequel trilogy. So it was just strange that they brought in, you know, characters or groupings of characters that uh, were just kind of a mystery if you watch the films and, and they never got resolved. But I yeah. totally understand your point. You know, when you're talking about the Knights of Ren, for one thing, I, I do think that you can watch the films, the, the the sequel trilogy, and just take the Knights of Ren for what they, you know, what you see them as. It, it could be a cursory knowledge. You just know, okay, this this exists out there, but it, they are not key players in it, at least until the rise of Skywalker, they play a little bit of a bigger portion, but you can make it through those films without necessarily knowing that. I, I do think you can take the, the sequel trilogy at face value and mm -hmm. still enjoy all those films. Uh, it, it, it depends on, on, on your viewpoint of it. Again, uh, yes, there are some things that were discussed or, you know, uh, uh, you know, alluded to uh, within the sequel trilogy that maybe you didn't get unless you read the comics, unless you played a video game, uh, whatever the case may be. But that doesn't mean that they, I, you could still enjoy the storyline just as they are. My, my wife, Michelle, you know, has not read any of those, not seen any of that stuff. Um, she, it really enjoys the sequel trilogy uh, top to bottom. So oh, don't get me wrong. I, I think that it's great for podcasts. I mean, I, that's what my podcast is all about is filling in all those gaps <laughs> so that, uh, that you can get that additional enjoyment. So I think it plays right into our hands as long as they're going to provide all these additional mediums that most people aren't going to be able to keep up with. Uh, again, that's, that's going to drive listeners to, uh, to my podcast, to other podcasts, that focus on that kind of thing. And I think it's great for us. I mean, it's nerd. It's like shooting nerds in a barrel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wow. think that, uh, uh, you know, with the Knights of Ren and Kylo Ren, that's his name. You, there's an expectation that maybe there's more to this, uh, this group, this band of, uh, of knights then uh, is explained in, of course, The Force Awakens, because uh, it's just a snippet there. But in terms of any explanation, you get none in the films. And I think with that being literally Kylo's name, a lot of people expected more from that. And not getting an answer to that doesn't ruin the film, at least not for me. But um, it kind of leaves people with that lingering question, people that wouldn't delve into these supplementary materials, uh, leaves them with the question of, you know, what was up with the Knights of Ren? Like, Kylo hooked up with them at some point, and uh, I guess, for what? You know, it mm. seems, seems like there's, there's a lot of information there, which there is from the supplementary material, but... It's made glaringly obvious when he's introduced as Kylo Ren. Mm -hmm. And then you learn nothing about the Knights of Ren from the films. I mean, I think from a grander perspective, seeing what my family goes through outside of the four people that I'm talking to right now, the, you know, we will consume all information that's going to surround uh, the Skywalker saga and all Star Wars. You have um, 
the supposed end to the Skywalker saga. And I say supposed meaning that you're coming into The Force Awakens with the expectation that you're going to see Luke, you're going to see all these actors are still alive and there are characters that are still uh, have the expectation of being in these movies. And then you get to these movies and they had a monumentally difficult task of um, successfully closing a story from when it was launched in 77 all the way to 2000 and, you know, 2019. And you have all these different fans coming in at different points, finishing that story. You've got now social media, you've got all these different pieces and throw in the extra layer of all the extra material, the comics, the books, the video games, uh, the experiences that all feed into that part. And if a key element of a story is going to prevent someone, a casual fan, because I'm not talking to casual fans here, we're talking to super fans that will consume it all, or at least seek out the answers and uh, determine if they're valuable or not and if you like it or not, great, will you understand the whole story? Is that casual fan going to be a new Star Wars fan or not? Uh, well, you know, when I explained to my wife, for example, that Emperor Palpatine was, um, uh, when he was thrown down the tunnel, he became uh, this dark force energy and transferred that dark force energy to the secret planet. And that's where the, uh, the whole plot with Exegol came from. When I explained that to her, she's like, oh, well, that makes sense. I want to see that again. I want to see the Rise of Skywalker again because I want to see that context now. She still has her overarching enjoyment of the film, uh, but that key piece of information actually wanted to make her see it again. So those are the types of nuggets that may be preventative for that long-term fan. But uh, if I can explain it and Rob can explain it on his podcast or we can do it and Tom can delve into it, if all these different people start to get that story out there, does that take anything away from the entire franchise? Or is that, is that our task as nerds to uh, educate as many people as we can? But um, for the casual fan, it's, it's going to be a tough, ta tough task to bridge that gap between a casual fan who's going to enjoy the movie or just say, well, there's too many. I have no idea where these people are coming from. I I'm out uh, until you get a, a show like The Mandalorian. That's the problem with that I see within the fan community <clears throat> as it stands right now is I don't care what someone wants to throw out there as their interpretation of something or their opinion of something or what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. That's everyone's right to, to put out there whatever their feelings are about it. The issue comes when they expect everyone else to agree with them. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with two people agreeing to disagree about what a particular scene means or doesn't mean uh, bottom line is if you went and you enjoyed it, then that's great for you. And if I didn't enjoy it, that should be fine for me. It doesn't mean I have to start a hate campaign against it, uh, which unfortunately, you know, as you've talked about in a lot of ways, I mean, there's, there's entire YouTube channels that are about negativity because negativity pays. Mm. Yeah. People may not even feel this way about it. You know, they may like it more than they're letting on, but they have to put out, uh, you know, the, the hate video because that's what people think is funny and that's where they get their money. So I just try to, you know, take those for what they're worth. Um, I try to stay with the, the groups that are more positive. And uh, as Tom and I have shown, uh, and certainly I, I know that there's times where Charles and Pat and I would probably disagree about certain things, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have a relationship uh, with people who don't agree with me on every point. That's kind of a boring way to go about your life. Mm -hmm. Right. I think Rob and I were just, uh, you know, sort of disagree on a, a point just a moment ago but we're still very good friends it's not like it, you know if we have a civil discussion about something, it really it really shouldn't matter on this again not everybody has to like everything and I, I i was what i was alluding to earlier and rob was talking about that people are 
putting things negatively out there just because they know that that will draw more interest into it. Look, negativity is draws clicks. Negativity draws listens. Negativity uh, draws uh, attention. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that that's the way the world is right now. I, I, I know Rob's podcast, which is uh, the Star Wars podcast that doesn't make you feel like a jerk for one, you know, I mean, <laughs> he may suffer a little bit on some listenership because of the fact that it's for the most part, he is a positive podcast. My own uh, Hyperion Adventures podcast that I do with my wife, Michelle, it's mostly a Disney podcast, but there's plenty of negativity within the Disney community as well. We may suffer from not getting a few listeners because of the fact that we're not as maybe controversial on some of these subjects, but we are going to stick to what we appreciate, the way we feel about things, and there's plenty of negativity out there if you want to search it out. Um, I think the positive part of the community is really what draws us all to the Star Wars, Disney, whatever your fandom is. Mm. Oh, and, I was made to suffer. Uh, <laughs> and I'd, I'd quickly like to thank both of you guys for your diligence with being positive because there's so many people that take the easy route, like you like you were saying, with uh, for clicks and, and saying something maybe controversial that's uh, sort of a discord to, to garner, you know, listenership. And it's you're kind of sacrificing a part of who, you know, who you are as a fan to give in to that level of disagreement and just negativity. And, you know, for, for you guys to maintain such positivity like us is, is really uh, kind of why we got into this mm. is because you'd, you'd see all sorts of stuff online and, and hear people speaking a lot of nonsense, and it's like, look, this is not all that's out there. And then, of course, with our brand of positivity and excitement and appreciation for the franchise, you know, we were able to find you guys and 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 many other people that that have that sort of wholesome, gracious mentality. And it's 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 we knew it was out there, but it's refreshing to to see it and then become great friends with people who also see things that mm -hmm. way. I actually feel it's the majority of the people that are out there, but it just, the negativity is the loudest yes. uh, group that tends to be out there. And so it seems like there is more of it than there really is. But mm -hmm. I find the communities extremely positive and extremely welcoming. And we, like I said, we can have a, a discourse about subjects. If we, uh, Rob and I, we don't agree on everything. I'm sure we don't, uh, just as Rob talked earlier, we don't agree with everything with you, uh, Pat and Charles as well but that doesn't mean we can't have a discussion right. about it at the end of the day go have a, a cocktail and you know go ride rise of the resistance or whatever the case may be <laughs> together and so yeah See, i knew i'd like this guy yeah there you go and so you know that's a perfect segue tom first of all you mentioned celebration star wars celebration uh, as an event and uh, pat and i had the wonderful chance to go there last year in chicago um it was a five-day love fest for star wars and you didn't have any negativity it was just people enjoying it so you had maybe the baggage that if you choose like what rob was saying before if you choose to associate yourself with those people you will have the negativity but once pat and i entered though you know the star wars celebration it was gone it was like as if a sponge took all the negativity and all it was was people just enjoying every aspect of it from the movies to the stories to the actor there was nothing the love for um for uh jar jar the love for uh, Rose, uh, it was just, it was fascinating. And the actors yeah. as well, you know, so it was, 
it was a uh, it was beautiful to see. And so while anybody could have gone to to uh, Star Wars Celebration, it obviously was it was a challenge to get tickets, and we were lucky and. We'll forever thank uh, Pat's wife Kelly, uh, who got us those tickets. And um, but the that experience then does feed into the entire story in the same way that Galaxy's Edge does, right? So you have Disney, who owns, of course, Star Wars now, and they're you know Lucasfilm, and so they're making this partnership. And the Galaxy's Edge, while you still have that exclusivity of being able to afford to get into the park, which is not a small amount of money, but once you get into that park you feel that you transfer into it and the design of the park is just beautiful you get in there and there's no other sound there's nothing else going on there but you are immersed into that world and again it's like this star wars immersion takes away all the negativity and it adds to it but is that also exclusive because you have to be able to get into the park itself and how how does that affect the entire uh, enjoyment of, of the uh, of the franchise i i don't feel <laughs> You know, uh, yes, it's, it's exclusive in the fact that, I mean, not everybody lives close. We're blessed enough that we live in San Diego and we are just uh, within a couple hours of going to Disneyland and, and experiencing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I, I know, Pat, you live very close to Walt Disney World. You're within a couple hours of, of getting there. and You know, but Rob, you're a little bit farther away. It, it takes you a plane flight. Uh, Charles, you're a bit farther away, I believe. I don't know. I don't know exactly mileage. Probably pretty close. Yeah. Uh, but it would even longer to to get there as well so there's also that exclusivity in the fact that you will have to fly there as opposed to we can just drive up and go there we can take it you know we're annual pass holders at disneyland we can go up and spend a few hours and come back we don't have to uh, add to that you know so of course there is going to be some of that but um I don't feel that that takes away from anything that is within the Star Wars universe. You may wish you want to go do this at some point, and hopefully you can afford it, and hopefully you can make it there at some point. But uh, you can still be a Star Wars fan from afar, and 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 just you know hope that someday you know hey I can get there. I mean, look, um, you know, ho hopefully it's still going to happen. Galactic Star Cruiser out at uh, Walt Disney World, which is oh. going to be the Star Wars themed hotel uh, experience going to take you over you know a three-day mm -hmm. thing um it's going to be that is going to be very very exclusive you're going to have to pay a lot of money to to do that because it is a very small hotel they're only taking so many people in um but that doesn't mean that you know if you can't ever afford it if you can't make it in there that your star wars journey still can't be great by taking in the comics by taking in the books by taking in the films uh you can still enjoy star wars for what it is my son keeps asking if I'm going to take him to the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. I haven't had the heart to tell him I'm going to have to sell him to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but can you sell him and not, you know, take delivery till afterwards? <laughs> That's a good question. Boy, look at you, problem solver. I'm See, never going to sell you. a child without running it through Pat first. <laughs> at the end of the hey, three look, day stay. As a product of adoption, I, I get it. I hear you. <laughs> sure, that makes it a federal crime, too, because... <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Rob, about that? About the um, the park's experience and whether how how tied they are to the franchise and to the story, and whether or not you have to consume them, but you can enjoy them as outside of the movies and the, and the books. But they enhance that experience. Do you think that is a bonus or a detraction from the entire universe? No, I mean I, I think it's a bonus. I think it's uh, you know it's anything like celebration like the opportunity to go visit something like star wars galaxy's edge within the parks you know it's interesting because 
there are people who aren't even Star Wars fans that have gone into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and just been blown away by the level of detail. So if you can find one of those three or four people, um, <laughs> you know, uh, that's that that's a pretty cool <laughs> thing to see as a Star Wars fan, uh, you know, see someone else kind of being drawn into that world just because of the immersiveness of it. Um, I, I personally, I've never been to Star Wars Celebration, uh, and I know that probably means you guys will never talk to me again, but... Um, Click. It, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the great gaps in my in my uh star wars resume um but i don't feel any less of a star wars fan for not going uh and i know it's going to be something that occurs in the future so um you know i think that the real things that allow you to kind of feel like an inclusive member of the star wars community are the films you know if you want to get into the animated series those are pretty easily accessible mm -hmm. the books you know that's uh you know that's just kind of based on if you're into reading or into doing the audiobooks, comics, I think is an even more kind of niche, uh, group. Um, but you know, as we've talked about in the, you know, for the most part, if you just watch the films, you can get a lot out of it. If you want to go into these other media, you get even more out of it. Um, if you want to go to celebration, then you start getting that sense of community. If you want to go to the parks, then you get that, you know, again, I'm sure all of us would say growing up that the thing that we envisioned the most was being able to step into that world mm -hmm. and to be able to do it just blows you away. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing to see, but I don't, I don't feel like it's, uh, it excludes anyone from having an experience that you need to have to be quote, quote unquote, a star Wars fan. Well, real quick to touch on Rob, um, star Wars celebration has been going on for a long time. Uh, <laughs> we went, we went one day. No, this is this is good. Uh, <laughs> um, we went one day in Orlando, mm. and we met Mark, and that was like that's it. That's all we had to do. We just had met Mark, and it was that was that was it. I Mark, mean, there. Mark who? Oh, Mark Hamill. Oh, See, we're on we're on a first name now. Yeah. That's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, that's okay. It's it's this guy. Um, so uh, after that, everything else was just icing on the cake. Mm. And then we watched Empire at the end of the night. That's remember right. at the, at the yeah. viewing at the convention room and all. Um, so everything was just so we were there for one day and it was just so surreal. So like we were in nerd heaven. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. Yeah. So, of course, then we knew, you know, when we went when it was Chicago, we we're like, oh, we're going to have to fly there. How do we transport our sabers and the whole bit? But. <laughs> Again, you know, then we were like, we have to do this whole thing. It's infectious, mm -hmm. but but it's amazing, okay? And when you go, as I'm sure you will at some point, um, it's just going to kind of enrich your love of the franchise. Mm -hmm. And yep. and I'm I'm excited for you. <laughs> I really am. No, look, I mean, my my plan, my wife's plan is to move down to the Orlando area in the next five or six years. Uh, again, having friendships like this is just going to further enhance the uh, the joy of being down in that area and having access to the parks. You know, Tom talking about the ability to to within an hour. And I know both you and Charles are in that situation as well to to be able to, you know, uh, relatively short drive. You can get get to a park and um you know, even beyond Disney, you know, other other theme parks, other opportunities and an international airport that'll take you anywhere around the world, the cruise lines, all that. Um, but to to be in a place where we know that Star Wars Celebration is going to rotate through every so many years, 
uh, is just going to make it that much more accessible. And, and again, I love, you know, having gone to Grand Rapids Comic Con this past November, um, just being able to bond with people who are fans on a on a rather fanatical level, the 501st, the Rebel Legion, the Mandalorian Mercs, uh, the Droid Builders, who I think are incredible. Um, and then to meet some of these people who've played roles in some of these shows. I mean, uh, I had the opportunity to meet Tom Kane and, and, you know, here's a guy who voices animated characters for a living. Um, he did Grandmaster Yoda in the Clone Wars. He did the announcer, um, and to talk to him and, and just have him be so appreciative, uh, that there are people out there who are willing to consume that stuff. I know you guys had a similar uh, experience with James Arnold Taylor. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's such a cool thing. Um, to meet people who are fans in their own right, uh, talking to Dominic Pace, who who had an opportunity to to play a role in The Mandalorian, uh, as Gecko the Bounty Hunter. I mean, nicest guy you could ever imagine. Gave me his personal number. You know, talking to him when I was out there, almost got a chance to meet up with him. Uh, you know, these people who we look up to as as parts of this universe are fans in their own right, mm. um, and and they have things that brought them into it as well. And it's just it's it's a really cool circle um, to be within. And I th- and I, you know, um, Sam Whitworth, same very yeah. same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a huge super fan in general, and and honored to be a part of it and, For, and yeah. not so many people think was just dead. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and for him to be so gracious, um, you know, he did, he played a nurse in one of the shows that he was in and, um, and, uh, be human. And, uh, you know, when we met him briefly, I, I mentioned that, you know, it was cool to see him as a nurse cause I'm also a nurse and he, he was just like, surprised but appreciative of of that connection it's mm. just really really very cool yeah well this was a fascinating discussion i thought it was really really cool to go through these types of uh of these topics and see you know outside of what we talk about every day how does the uh the, the experience surrounding star wars help everyone uh whether it's from a passive fan or an aggressive fan uh, or maybe bad terms. <laughs> Aggressive, <laughs> super fan. We'll yeah, super, super fan versus casual. Wow, there was a there was an interesting, uh, fascinating, fascinating uh, choice of words there. Um, but thank you all very much for uh, for joining us on this topic, and uh, really appreciate it. And your insight and your your knowledge, but also your excitement for the different aspects of the, of the fandom were fantastic and. Tom, I'd like to, you know, maybe pass it over. Maybe you can tell us where everyone can find uh, your show and where you guys are on social media and what you guys are doing. Sure, I appreciate it. And thanks again, guys. It's really been a pleasure to be on your show. I'm a big fan of conversations. Uh, I've been listening for a long time, and you guys are just great and honored to be invited on your show. As far as uh, my podcast, it's uh, I do this with my wife, Michelle, and we mostly focus on Disney. However, we do talk Star Wars often. We talk Marvel often, pretty much the whole universe. We talk about the parks. We give tips on uh, if you're going to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, if you have that exclusivity where you can go, we will give you some tips on how to uh, help your journey along the way. And you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're very active on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Bright suns, traveler. Oh, nice one. (laughs) 
Rob, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can certainly also find Tom on my podcast. He often Ooh. joins me on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Uh, you can certainly find us on any of your favorite podcatchers uh, at our website at jtapodcast.com. You can reach us on email at jtapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a voicemail. If you'd like to leave a voice message with your thoughts on any topic Star Wars related, we'd love to play it on the show. Uh, that number is 201-746-5827, which is JTAP, so easier to remember. Um, and then on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest uh, at JTA Podcast. So, again, I'm so jealous of the fact that you guys came up with a title like Banter Fodder. It is utter genius. It was all him. Uh, and, it was all him. And I am personally going to uh, cure the whole COVID dilemma because I am going to be down in Orlando from June 10th to the 20th. Damn it. One way or the other. When Charles first told me that you were coming down, I was like, ah, we get to meet a friend. And it was sad, but exciting. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of hand jinks and Luke foolery going on <laughs> in Star Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Absolutely. In the true vein of conversations, I've got, uh, I've got a little vlogging camera. Uh, so I think oh, we should oh boy. we should have a little fun. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, boy. Now look out! Yeah, we're now taking oh, bets yeah. on how long we're oh, actually God. allowed to be in the park. <laughs> Come on, John, uh, Tom, you want to join us in getting kicked out? Because uh, <laughs> it'd be great. All in, all in. Escorted out by Gamorrean guards. What? What? Who's taking us out? That's fine. That's uh, of course for yeah, me. That, <laughs> there's always fun in there. <laughs> well thank you all very much for uh for coming on today and really appreciate it you can find us at uh, conversations.com you can find us on twitter at uh, suasions you can find us on instagram at instagram.com forward slash conversations and we've got a spreadshirt shop uh, all that stuff is up on our website at conversations.com and uh thank you very much for joining us and uh keep a, an ear out for a new um banter fodder coming uh to your uh ear holes very soon and with that, we will say, The Force will be with you, always. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs> <laughs>